Hey, hey, it's me, your dungeon master and your real biological father, Big B. Just checking in on you up top here, as per not so usual, I suppose. Um, hey, so it's been a while, huh? Uh, really sorry about the delay in getting this episode to you. The world kind of went crazy there for a little while, as I'm sure you all know, and we all had a bunch of other stuff going on in our lives, so it just took a while to get it together. Uh, another reason for the delay was that we spent quite a bit of time thinking and discussing with each other and deciding what we wanted the future of the show to look like, and I wanted to have a sort of more concrete idea of what that is before bringing this to you, and I'm pleased to say that we now have a bit of a clearer picture of that. Um, you're about to hear our wrap-up episode answering some questions from listeners and just talking a bit generally with each other about the story that we told in Carthus in all of the preceding episodes of this show. We're calling all of that, the, the Carthus story, book one of HTW Laid. And we talk a bit about what comes next for HTW Laid in the wrap-up content you're about to hear, but I'll just summarise quickly now up front what you can expect to come in this feed in the next little while. So, we are going to make a book two of HTW Late. It'll be a new story in a new world with new characters, unrelated to the Karthus adventure, and we'll probably still be using D&D 5e as the system. I'll be DMing, the rest of the crew will be there playing, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're playing around with a few settings and storylines and sort of game mechanics and some other sort of interesting fun stuff that we're thinking about using at the moment, and we want to find something that we all really love before diving in for another long-form story. But in the meantime, what you can expect to hear in the short term before the launch of book two is uh, we're going to record some fun, self-contained one-shot adventures with some special guests and drop them right here in the feed. So this will be an opportunity for us to sort of playtest some of the ideas that we've got for the new campaign, but also, more importantly, it'll just be a bit of fun and uh, hopefully a source of some cool content for you. So I won't go on about it for too long, but... That means, funnily enough, it's a great time to get new people on board, given all of the new content will be self-contained stuff, and then launching into a brand new story that requires no knowledge of what's come before. So we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to talk to, at, or about us on social media, or share the show with a friend. Uh, we're on most of the social media, at Curio Network or at HTWLaid. Stay tuned to that social media also for updates on the release of those one-shots and of the forthcoming book two. Also, there's just one more thing before we get into the show. We recorded this content a couple of weeks ago, and it's frankly just bizarre how much the world has changed in that time. Uh, on listening back through the content when I was editing it, even though it was just a couple of weeks, it just sounded kind of weird to me. Like, it sounded like it was from a different time, because I guess it kind of was. Hopefully I successfully edited around that to some extent, so it doesn't sound too dissonant to your ears, but... Just to me listening through to it, it, it felt weirder not to acknowledge that this was like several weeks old content than to acknowledge it. With that said, I'm not going to labor the point too much. Support Black Lives Matter. If you're interested in doing that or learning more about it, there are some links in the show notes. Okay, thanks as always for listening and to everyone who sent in a question. You're all the best. Take care of yourselves out there. I won't take up any more of your time. Enjoy the show. Do we need a cold open? This um, is it, Tom. This is it. <laughs> Oh shit! Do we need a cold open? I think season season two, no cold opens. Yeah, everything's hot, baby. We're gonna lose yeah, half our viewer base. Fresh. All right, here it is. Oh god, I gotta remember. I've got to do an intro. Fuck me. I've, There's a cold I mean, open. That's yeah. 
that's never stopped me from just jumping in before. So, um... These are unprecedented times, Ben. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world. A world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Come on down to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. We've got bargains, bargains galore flying out the door. I'm your on-special discounted dungeon master, Ben McAllister. Welcome to the program. It's a Dungeons and Dragons show. <laughs> I spent the whole time being like, now, am I like a like a luxury fancy boy? Is that what, like, am I like, no, forget those deals. What you want is the the snobbish success of, uh, of, of yeah. items that never go on sale. And I guess I'm Jackson Newsom uh-huh. because I'm committing to that now. Okay, very good. I am your pay-what-you-want charity business where I'm either cheap or... Or expensive, Thomas Owen. I've always kind of seen you as something of a charity case. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I am your bottom shelf off-brand vodka that is too cheap to ever go on special, Grace Chapel. Very good. So what you're saying is you're low-class Russian and drunk. Oh, yeah. Very good. Is the vodka itself Um, drunk? I think given how much of Always. it by mass is yeah. alcohol, like, certainly, right? I mean, yeah. it would be illegal uh, for it to drive. 40%. Anyway, fuck me. So, hey, this is the How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons Season 1, I guess is what we're calling the whole Carthus story, uh, post-show, Woo! where we are going to now, talk wasn't a, a bit book about one? the show that was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. It was Campaign book one, one because there were, you know, the, the episodes were all called chapters. Uh, so we're going to talk about the show a bit amongst ourselves, what it was. I, I will say heavily, uh, if, you, if you're a brand new listener to our podcast, if this is the first thing in the feed you've ever listened to, this is a very bad idea, because this is going to be a spoilerific, probably Spoiler hour cast. of content, uh, where we discuss the finale, discuss the series that's happened, and go through some uh, questions submitted by you, our wonderful audience, uh, and talk a bit about those. And then uh, we're going to talk just like maybe a little bit about what you can expect coming in the feed in the next little while. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. But yeah, we're going to kind of kick it off with a bit of a discussion just amongst ourselves because we, we've talked a bit off mic, but we haven't really gone in depth on like discussing uh, the show and, and how we feel about it. Um, so we're just going to jump in with that. And it's going to be relatively freeform, I suppose, like a freeform jazz odyssey, I think is how I described it uh, to these guys. And then we're going to jump into some questions. So let's kick off, hey, shall we? There's not going to be any recap or anything this time. It's just going to be a bit of a post show. Nah, come on, recap every single episode all at once, go. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't even done one of those in ages because, like, all of the like last ten episodes, there was no recap. There was like a set piece. Um, but anyway, <laughs> hey, maybe that's something we could talk about: the structure of the show and the way it changed over the the course of it, going from kind of like more like just table play to like more sort of deliberately constructed <laughs> role stuff. play, sort of yeah. <laughs> what are you giggling about, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Just table play sounded like a thing. <laughs> you know how there are other yeah. there are other kinds. We moved of play. away from sort of just general play into. Mostly fetish talk, right? Yeah, that was mm. deep. Yeah, we, we had yeah, we had like twenty fetish heavy episodes, <laughs> and then we cleaned it up a little bit. <laughs> Listeners of the show who listen the whole way through will have noticed like a slow creep in of like additional audio features. I suppose is how I would call them, um, which is probably kind of interesting for you guys because like structurally in terms of how we make the show it's not uncommon for you guys to hear like a content cut without any audio without any like music or like voiceover stuff in it and then like maybe maybe not ever even hear the like final cut that goes out to people um so like i have i have heard every final cut of this show no, no, have no, you sorry to swing my big dick around wow. but, like, seriously um, have you listened yeah. to every episode every single every single final cut yeah see i like to keep a little bit of a surprise in there for when i come back in my like, sad midlife crisis to listen about <laughs> the joys of my youth. I'll get a little surprise. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll remember everything else, of course. <laughs> of course, just the bits that I added to the things you yeah. remember. Yeah, I'm just Which glad that... Lots interesting. Of Lots of cum. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> when you have your midlife crisis and you're like, ah, yes, the comforting cum tapes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just glad, Ben, that you've uh, on record recused us if that's the right use of that word of any responsibility for the uh reversed audio demonic messages that it, that you've hidden throughout the podcast well yes i mean that's an important thing we should get to later i mean there's there's, there's the how to Enlude influence dragons arg i've embedded clues in every episode <laughs> if you go listen you know what's an arg there's, there's a, a, an alternate reality game ah. um anyway like so, Pokemon Go, but for a podcast. Um, all right, so I'm going to jump in with the first question here. Uh, I've deliberately put this one first because we can answer it like straight out and also it's going to address um, an important point. So like for, for reference to, to anyone who's like listening for their questions, got a couple of questions in from people that were like similar. So I've kind of done a bit of like auditing and combining like, you know, conceptually the questions. Um, so this is like a relatively common, common thread uh, was essentially like, what happens to Jody slash what is the ending slash what happens next in that story? Um, kind of like all kind of wrapped up into one. And the the main thing that I want to say about that um, is that, and like, I, I know like I've, I've had like a couple of people asking like, oh, so like is the next bit of the show going to be like, you go north and like season two and like we find out what happens to Jody. I want to say like flat out, as far as I'm concerned, the Carthus story is is done. Like what what's there is what's there. Um, the end is deliberately it deliberately supports multiple interpretations. I think in terms of like what happens to each of those characters. Um, You're gonna have to greenlight the me, TV show if you want to find out more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want us to Skywalker this bitch, 
I'm not going to say that we will never revisit that story, but at least, like, for now, I think we're all, correct me if I'm wrong, jump in, like, pretty agreed that, like, there's no plan to revisit that story in the sort of, you know, short term. Like, that story's you- done, I think. Netbank me an, enough money, not even that much. I will make some um, off license. Uh, I'm very cheap. Episodes. Uh, yeah. Voice Justin Khan stories. No, no, no. It'll be. It'll be. I. I can't use Duncan. That's. Um. You know, like the IP of this show. Right. Of uh, this is some off brand. It'll be like Duncan. Um. <laughs> Uh, Duncan's a short <laughs> high school boy who just wants to fit in, <laughs> but he has his anger issues. <laughs> I was trying to come up with like alternate names for the other characters, and like I got as far as like Jonkus in my mind for Jody, no. which is just <laughs> D- Duncan, Drake, and Jake. It's so easy. Drake, I guess. Yeah. I- I'm right about that, right? Like, there's no, there's no plan like, in the short term, to revisit that story. And I think, like, probably, like, we've all got different perspectives on on what happens to Jody and what happens at the end there. Like, I, I, for my part, like, I'm a big fan of, like, death of the author at, at a point like this, you know? Like, I don't want to J.K. Rowling this what you bitch, wish, you know? And, uh, I, I, I don't want to, you know, like, come in here. Because to me, like, that kind of defeats the purpose of having, like, an ending like that, where it's sort of, like... For me, it's like, yeah, it's up, it's up to you. Like, it's your interpretation. Like, maybe maybe we will come back and canonify it later, but that's definitely not the next plan. Like, does Jody make it back? Does Jody stay in the void? What's happening up north? What happens with Jazillian and Duncan? Like, I think it... I, I, have, I, I have my own ideas about what those things are, but I would, like, just as soon leave it open to interpretation. I don't know. How do you guys feel? It's the Nolan spinning top, but we might flick it over later. Depending on uh, how comparatively well-received a book two is, we might have to dip back to those beautiful carbon waters at some point. Where to set us up for failure. That's, that's not how I thought about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, but, like, so what? Are we all pretty... Like, do you guys have thoughts about it? Like, what do you think happens to Jody, uh, Jacko? This seems most relevant to you. I mean, like, yeah, but, like, in that sense, I feel like things I say probably have a lot of weight in regards to that particular character. So if I'm going to, like, actually, it's about, like, the journey of life, and he was a sperm the whole time, and the light he sees is the birth canal as, as he comes out as a real person. Like, that's, like, let me be like, oh, wow, I guess that's the whole journey, I suppose. You know what I mean? But that is my internal yeah. canon. I think we're all just sperms. Carthus <laughs> is the world of the uterus. We're all just sperms, We're and then we sperms. finish the story, and we become born as regular people. Um, that's my. That's so to clarify, in your in your image of biology, in Jackson, you've got a uterus, a lot of sperms just in there, and then the sperms yeah. come out of the uterus, and that's how babies. Hey, born. every uterus that he knows. <laughs> hey, yikes! What? Um, yeah, I. I think, like, you asked the question, Ben, but I think I was pretty specific with my answer. So I'm just going to, (laughs) like, the defense rests on that one. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, if no one has any more thoughts on that, if we're all kind of agreed that that story is deliberately, for me, deliberately left to support many interpretations, then, like, I guess we'll just move on. Here's a fun one, uh, a slightly more mechanical one. Um, How often did you guys cheat on dice rolls ever at any key moments? Uh, I will, for my part, say the only time I ever fudge dice rolls is when it's basically junk time in, like, a combat that is, like, you know, it's, like, there's nothing interesting happening. Like, you guys have got 
you've, you've downed four out of five of the stone automatons and the last one's there and it's just like the combats are going on for a long time and it's just like a war of attrition until you guys knock it down i'll like fudge some rolls so it's over sooner i've never done it for anything important what about you guys I literally just made a clinking sound with my mouth whenever I pretended to roll a dice and then just made the number up on the spot. <laughs> every time. Every, Consulted every your own roll, internal... I, yeah, like you, you thought you were sort of slightly leading us as the DM, but I was controlling at least one quarter of the probability entirely... Um, deliberately. <laughs> yeah. I engineered wow. well, most very... of the set pieces through controlling my dice rolls with absolute autonomy. That's very impressive. I think with like standard dice, I don't think I ever did, but like I think there might be once or twice where I used like a calculator or something like that, like an online one. I think like I found with those that they would always roll really poorly. And like once or twice I was kinda like, no fuck this. Mm-hmm. I just re-rolled. Because I just found that like sometimes like I particularly, I'm, and this is not so much for this story, but like when I've played in the past, like as a sorcerer doing a fireball or something like that, on those fucking like online dice rollers, and you'll be like, hell yeah, 8d6, here I go. And it'll be like, 21. And like, <laughs> drives me out of my mind. Whereas like with the physical ones, I believe it. So there might have been once or twice with like if I was using one of those. Um, but like, I'm pretty sure you can like listen through Jody's story, and there are a bunch of times where a sweet 18 would have been very nice, and instead he's rolling like a fucking like three plus ten. But you know, I'm trying to think if we ever um, like got to a point where we were rolling so badly we had to change it for the story. Did we ever agree as a group? I def- I definitely didn't keep any secret from you guys. Moving moving beyond ever- my joke. I'm pretty confident that I never nor knew of fudging. I mean, yeah, like, I I would say, like, I I can't think of a time where we changed the outcome of events from the way that they transpired. Um, Was there the time that Garrick nearly died? We didn't... Was that all... That's in the audio. (laughs) Yeah, no, he very nearly (laughs) died. Like, it was... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Um, a couple of times. Um... (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Like, I, I think I can't think of a time where, like, I, I can definitely think of times where, like, in post, I've cleaned something up. Like, if there's been like three rounds of combat where nothing interesting has happened, and then it's just ends. Like, you hit, you hit, you miss, you hit, you miss, and then it just ends. I've like condensed those a yeah. bit, like, just for the sake of listenability. Um, but like, I don't, I can't think of a time we've ever like changed the outcome of anything, like from from narrative control. And I think, I think as well, like, even listening to the show. I mean, part of the reason for using. Dungeons and Dragons as the sort of narrative structure for the show is that you do get that chance and that sort of thing. And I think like almost almost all the best parts of the show that come from gameplay are from like a fucked roll or from like a magical like, yeah absolutely. 20. And like I I think like the the surprise and like either like <laughs> um, hope or despair that comes out of that from the, the table. I think it feels pretty genuine. Um, yeah, I, I can't really think of, like... Uh, if, if anything, I think we were all a little bit too eager to have certain key characters die if they were to die and that sort of thing. I don't think that <laughs> troubled any of us, to be honest. I think it's the natural impulse of a D&D party to fuck with the DM's shit. And so we're like, oh, like, this NPC is probably here for a reason. We haven't seen what that reason is yet. So if they die now, we 
fuck Ben stuff. <laughs> um, look, I, I will say, like, the, the push and pull between, like, rails and, and you guys trying to essentially buck the rails um, was, was, like, I think really um, always cool. Because I always, I always view, like, something that I wasn't expecting as a DM. Like, I'm a... Storytelling-wise, like, for something like this, the way I like to think of it is, like, you leave yourself breadcrumbs... So, like, those off-the-rails moments or things that you didn't plan become, like, a narrative breadcrumbs. Because, like, I didn't have a clear picture of the end of the show from the beginning. I had, like, a kind of rough picture of it, probably from about a third of the way through to, like, half-ish of the way through. Um, I mean, like, the meta story, obviously, with, like, these pieces and, like, where they'd come from. In fact, I think, like, the first, like, concession to it comes when you guys finally leave the Ashwood and you're on your way to go meet up with, like, Garrick and Alvar Nettleford, and, like, Drosilia starts having visions. Like, that's kind of when I had, like, the first picture of, like, the meta-narrative with the Cine and this ancient group and stuff, like, really quite clearly. And then, like, the fine narrative didn't come till much later, and so it was kind of an exercise of weaving in times that you guys had, like, bucked the narrative to, like, add structure and, like, flavour to the story, which I think is just really cool and really important. Um... Anyway, we've taken way too long to answer these first couple questions, so let's fucking rapid fire yes. them. So, okay, uh, here's a three-part question. Uh, this, com- this is a combination of a few questions. What was your favorite arc? Like an arc would be like you know one of the temples or something that you guys did. Um, and who's your favorite NPC? And any ships? Any any personal uh, NPC ships of yours or <laughs> character question. ships Great of question. yours? Um, for me, I'll just get mine out of the way. My favorite arc was uh, the whole Hanelport arc, the Temple of Sea. I thought that whole thing was sick. Like, from when you guys showed up in Hanelport, went and met Alyssa Brambles, went down to the Temple of Sea, the fish folk. Like, I thought that stuff was all really cool. Um, my favorite NPC... My favorite NPC to, to voice is definitely Alvar Nettleford. Um, <laughs> and... And or Elena. Like, I, I have a lot of fun with Elena. Those would be, those would be my two favourites. Uh, as far as any ships are concerned, um, I might leave that on for the minute. And just, we will revisit that after your guys' answers. Let's go. Let's, 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 speed, let's speed through them. Giseroni, favourite arc, favourite NPC, any ships? Oh, so we're all we're all jumping into the ships before you. So you can- <laughs> all right, let's 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 do our let's do our ships at the end. Favorite arcs, yeah, favorite yeah, episodes. Nice um, we'll have a whole armada. I, I I I loved the Hastings stuff, um, and also like the early like Sanctuary stuff as well. Um, yeah. I think Sanctuary was. I mean, I remember when that like that sweet little music came in for Sanctuary early on, and I was kind of like, oh fuck yeah, this is a cool moment in the show. Um, that little like. That was lit. Uh, um, but yeah, that and Hastings, I think, are both like two really, um, really nice parts of the show that I really enjoyed. Um, and then the uh, ooh, favorite NPC. Um, fuck. I mean, like realistically, like I really yeah, Elaine is pretty great, but also um, rolling around with Garrick was always a fucking delight. Um, and then in a weird way, I didn't hate like Trent Allgood by the end, but <laughs> no, no, um, Cerulea, I really liked, I thought that was really nice stuff with Cerulea. Um, I thought she was very cool. Yeah. All right. What about you, DK? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually me now. Um, uh, I've been trying to think. This is Duncan. <laughs> um, I've been having trouble actually like landing on decisions for these. Um, 
I can I mean, go. Maybe yeah, yeah. Grace will give you some time to think. Yeah, Gracie. Um, I reckon my favorite arc was also probably Sanctuary. Sanctuary Cider, cutting off the leg. Lots of good stuff in there. Um, yep. the, the clown sled. The clown oh, sled incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think we established um, earlier that the episode titles were strongest around that like episode yeah. 12 yeah. to episode 30. Like That's when the episode titles were fucking hilarious. On a similar note, in terms of episode titles, I want to throw my weight behind Bimmy and his yeah. crossbow, Jimmy. Okay, my brother <laughs> Bimmy the crossbow was a yeah. Okay, okay yeah, okay, Bimmy, yeah. my brother Bimmy the crossbow as an NPC that you like, Jimmy yeah, and Bimmy, yeah. a little throwaway. Jimmy and yeah, Bimmy. that was great. Yeah. <laughs> so what, Jimmy and Bimmy, your favorite NPCs, Grace? I think so. What was the um the like drug lord that we had to go through? Yeah, Moko. That was pretty Moko cool. Moko and the Moko black Ono. hands. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest regrets was not finding a way to weave Moko back into the story at the end. Well, I don't um, think I hadn't noticed. I was waiting. <laughs> oh. No, I didn't notice at all. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I had... Um, anyway, we'll come back to that. Has that given you any time to think, Thomas? I mean, yeah, like, literally it has, but it's, like, a difficult thing to think whilst I'm also actively listening to what's going on. Um <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind of just oh, a problem well, with the way listening. focus works in my brain is I really only ever do one thing at a time. It just feels so cheap to be the third person to say sanctuary and also, like, what are we saying that we peaked that early? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, like, the finale stuff, there's so much good shit in the finale, but yeah. it's hard the to be like, stuff, I my favourite arc to... was, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. hard to sort yeah. of... You have to exclude the finale from discussion because I... the finale obviously is, like, the fruition of everything. Yeah. So just, it, just like, to... We're talking, like, temple arc. Just to mix it up a little bit, I'm going to say that my favourite arc was the very spread-out arc inside Duncan's head. <laughs> the Which, tales of Duncanian yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, Duncanian stuff, and, like, how that translated <laughs> to, like... The sort of like mental state in the later episode. <laughs> That's great. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, let's talk ships very quickly. No, no, I no. Mean, we have almost... got NPC from Tom. Oh yeah, favorite NPC. Favorite NPC. Um, my favorite NPC is the NPC that Duncan briefly fell in love with on the steps in Espera. Um, I the fish lady. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it was the what intimidate your intimate date. Um, episode. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, like I'm obviously just completely taking the piss because it was a very momentary NPC. Yeah, yeah. But... Oh my god, that was such a good arc. That was like the web, and then we came out yeah, of the web, and I was doing the voice, trying to trick the people inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah that no, was, the start of was also very sick. Very that good. was when the the narrative stuff started to really ramp up. Like that was the yeah. first like backstory arc that we did. Mm. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, fa- favorite NPCs, Tom, that aren't taking the piss. I mean, like, honestly, the Potato Brothers are just such a charming storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Kipler and Hasselbeck. Um, I think, like, as a, as a potato-based unit, um, they remain, like, an intrinsic part of the soul of the show to me. I thought you were going to yeah. say, as a potato-based man myself. <laughs> as a no, when I said it, as a potato-based <laughs> unit, Grace, I was referring to myself. I am both potato-based and an yeah. absolute <laughs> unit. And because of that, the yeah, potato yeah, right. are important to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> that's great. I will also, before we move on quickly, just throw into the fact that I had a lot of um, fun with Esme's like descent into uh, madness, in a sense. Azula um, sort of thing. Yeah, very nice. Oh, I yeah, didn't want to throw in those spoilers. But yeah, um, cool. Ships. Let's talk ships. I mean, there's obviously like the formal in-show ship of like Garrick and Andrea. That's like quite formalized. Garrick um, and Valeria is my favorite ship. So okay, fuck you I've and your cannon. I've been fighting that ship this. the no. entire time. <laughs> no, they're, um, they're clearly going to end up in a little like polycule sort of scenario. It's going to be hey, like okay. Garrick, yeah, yeah. Valeria, and Andrea. It's going to be a whole thing. I'm pretty sure our ship of uh, Garrick and Valeria and Ben's intense battle against that ship is actually why he wants to do the next story with ship-based combat, where he can finally destroy that yes. ship once and for all. Hey, spoilers. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Um, I mean, to be fair, that's we don't know if that's a I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that in. That's a fun little Easter egg. Um, okay. Uh, other, other favorite chips. Other favorite chips. Um, I mean, like Petunia and Druzzy, obviously. That's. I mean, Petunia and Druzzy <laughs> is strong. There's only I forgot that Petunia was the friend, and I thought you were making a sibling joke, and I was horrified. Oh no! No! no. Oh no! Because, like, there was a point, like, I, I don't know how much of it made it into the show, Grace, but, like, we kind of, like, at least the four of us talked, like, when we were doing the Hastings arc about how there was this joke that, like, like, Drazilia had, like, a sort of romantic past with, like, every person of her age in Hastings. <laughs> like, yeah. And all of the NPCs were, like, former boyfriends. I and think what happened is we talked about it because um, it was, like, what is the reality of having a superhumanly... Um, Charismatic, charismatic teenager yeah, person, living in yeah, a town. Yeah. It's like everyone, but then we started to actually do it, and I was like, "This is really weird." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on, shall we? A few more general things. Uh, oh wait, no. Um, D- DK and um, Commander Jathra, whatever her name is. Yeah, DK and Commander Jathra. Um, what was the name of that dude to... who ran the shop, the clothing shop? Oh, um, Scriven. <laughs> Scriven. Scriven X Cloak. <laughs> Yeah. I I ship Scriven and um, Alyssa Brambles. Scriven and Alyssa Brambles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Alyssa Brambles was another quite fun NPC that I I never brought yeah. back. That's um. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um. Okay, she had her time. She was there for most of the Temple of Sea Arc. Anyway, uh, she rambled. Okay, we're gonna have a couple more general things. Um, was it possible for one of the main characters to die, or would you have written around it? Um, I'm gonna say at different points it definitely was possible for main characters to die especially just to jump in on the finale i think this is something i said to you guys um in terms of and then i didn't include in the episode like in terms of what happened there with like the the focus jam blowing up and like maleficus being sucked through the portal like i had in my mind i was like well i've got like six or seven different ways this can play out based on basically what they do but like uh, if i know like anything about playing with these fucks it's that like i shouldn't have even have tried to plan that loosely um in terms of what happened so like i I was like i was like there are scenarios where all of them die there are scenarios where two of them die and there are scenarios where one of them die and then there are scenarios where one of them sort of dies and maybe or maybe not another one also dies or doesn't die. So I was like, you know, I was thinking like Jody Void, like, uh, the possibility that, that someone was ending up in the void was very present in my mind. I didn't know who it was going to be. 
the fact that it was Jody leaves the door open for like the fact that you know maybe he can still exist in the void without food or water or anything because of his eternal body thing. But anyway, um, yes, definitely is the short answer. It was possible for characters to die. It would have been fucking horrifying if like that happened and it was like ah oh, like Duncan ends up in the void. Now, if, if Jody Mastana was there, he would have been able to survive. Instead, Duncan shrivels and dies <laughs> in a matter of minutes. Like, I mean, or weeks probably. I mean, like that—that's yeah. like that—that's that's what would have happened. Like, I straight up, I was like, uh, I, I was trying to be clear. Like, Jody ending up in the void was like always present in my mind as a possibility, but I wasn't like, and that's what will occur. I was just like, that's like, you know, that's 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 one way this could go, and I'm really happy it did because I think that's a really cool ending. But um, yeah, it was definitely possible for that to shake out other ways. Uh, okay, do you think Jody was too OP, and would you allow a monk in the next campaign? Um, interesting, interesting test. <laughs> Isn't monk meant to be an like the opposite of an OP class? I think yeah. monks are OP as utilities. They're not OP in combat by any stretch. But in terms of the number of different, like, oh, uh, I don't need, like, I'm immune to all, like, dexterity-based, like, saves. I'm totally. immune to fall damage. I can run along walls. I don't need food or water. Like, there's so many different ways for you to imperil or create puzzles for a party that a high-level monk yeah. is just like... This isn't a problem. And, um, <laughs> but but so... I guess that's but that's part of the trade-off in that like they're not as they're like a fighter sort of like they're like a melee fighter sort of thing. But they're not they're never going to be as directly powerful as no, any of the other like sort of melee combat ones. And they don't until have, they get like... quivering palm and can just totally. 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 It's, it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting point though for our purposes in terms of like if monk is like once it gets to that point like worse for interesting storytelling where it's like, you're not just trying to annihilate us each episode. The tension isn't, can we fight our way through a combat encounter? And so like the tension is in like, can we get past like a puzzle? And then the monk's like, I can <laughs> like, that's a really, I think that's a really interesting. Like where like this, the idea of Luther being like monks OP. And I'm like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? I'm like, Oh, but like, <laughs> specifically in this context. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think like, short answer, I would allow you guys to play whatever you wanted. I would just sort of, you know, have to continue to be creative in three, the way that I made Three monk party. Just... Three monk party. <laughs> no, we'll just beat Jackson up so he doesn't do it. Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, okay, let's Listen, keep going. Listen, I think I was relatively balanced of what I did and didn't do as a monk. I played for the story. <laughs> there was a lot of shit I could have been doing to fuck everything around. It's fine. No, definitely. <laughs> okay, here are three, one for each of you guys. Um, that we're gonna gonna jump through. I want to start with uh, Gracie. What were the circumstances of Druzzy and Trent's breakup? How soon before she left Hastings did it occur? What's the deal? Okay, there? I maintain that it was never really like a um, proper relationship. It was more like an arranged marriage type deal. Like they were sort okay. of oh. betrothed, if you will. Um, she definitely calls him her ex boyfriend at one point. Yeah. So like, I think that they had to like go to events together and stuff. Okay. But that she was never really super into it. And I think the how it ended was um, he woke up one morning and the whole town was like, where's Drasilia? Okay. <laughs> okay. So I was wondering if this is what you were getting, like going to say, because like, that's interesting. And we can sort of like retcon that to be the case if you like. But that is not, like, really borne out by the truth of what's in the content. Because uh, the first time you what? see... No, I don't mean because of anything specific. But, like, the first time you see Trent and Hastings, he's not, like, 
hey, my still arranged, like, future wife who, like, disappeared. He's like, oh, hey, Druzzy, and, like, tries to play it cool. I don't know. Maybe that still makes sense. Like, maybe he's, like, I smart mean, enough to I mean, she just murdered someone. He probably was like, oh, this is not arranged anymore. The arrangement yeah. is done. It's <laughs> like, you're a different person. This is a different relationship. But is the, is the thing more that it, it tracks for you that Druzzy did not have that conversation about wanting to end things? She just left. I don't think she was that kind of person, you know? I yeah. think she was a hardcore ghoster. Yeah. She, unlike Gracie, uh, uh, di- dislikes confrontations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, here's one for uh, Duncan. Uh, which ties into some of the stuff we talked about before in terms of like the Tales of Duncania various episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of the Duncan stuff from the backstory we get in the ver- in the like uh, North Pile Christmas special, how much of that is canon? Because we talked about the fact <laughs> that it's like semi, semi-canon. Like what is real, what is not real in that? What do you um, think? I mean, look, it's been a long while since I listened to the North Pile stuff. Um... Obviously, like, if you look across the Duncania stuff, some of it, like, most of it is, like, dreamscape um, and not not a thing that happened at all. The, the North Pile episode was originally presented as canon backstory. <laughs> and then, like, at some point, um, we were relatively explicit about the fact that that was a joke, that that's not canon anymore. Um, it was, but, like, part of a joke. Yeah. I think, it like, the rough shape of it, um, like, you know, street urchin trying to get by, but you know, he's not like, like what happened in that episode? Was he like eating dog vomit at some point? I can't remember. Um, yeah. He was also uh, a page. He was like a page died. boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, uh, there was a bit about like him finding erotica or something like that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. He <laughs> finds <laughs> some erotica and then he, yeah. Um, absolutely. It was like the so best erotica like, ever written. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think roughly roughly what happened was like he was in this town that had like a king and then there was a coup against the king by like a cult in the woods and like the king, but then it turned out the king was involved in the plot to like murder all the school, the town's children and then like the Santa's claws slash like the king's best mercenaries killed the king and then Duncan like left and found... Um, Snakesbane Spring at some point later, like in life. Yeah. Like, are there any, are there like elements of that? Like maybe removing the fact that the town was called North Pole and the group was called Santa's Claws <laughs> that like ring true for you? Um. <laughs> oh, what a ludicrous episode that was. Um, uh, I reckon uh, Duncan uh, was. Uh, involved in mercenary action against a, like, king, I guess. Um, As in, like, swept up in it, in the way he swept up in it in that episode. And, like, witnessed some horrifying stuff and uh, then fled. Like, I think that much is kind of, like, the crux of it. But I think all the, like, peculiarities are sort of... The specific jokiness of it is not. Yeah. But, like, he was in this town... And I would say also, like, the specific plot is probably, like a fanciful version. If you think about like, yeah. Um, you know, like an imagined fairy tale rendition of what was probably a slightly more mundane, like maybe religious. Yeah. Beef that in tracks town. for, um, like a sense for, yeah. Like Duncan. So like the Santa's core story was Duncan, like creating like a Christmas themed reimagining of his origin story. Yeah. Christmas themed because he has traveled to our plane of existence and experienced yes. Christmas as we know it. 
and uh, uses that as a coping mechanism. Here I go with a false cannon again. Um, <laughs> Very good. It's just bleeding uh, okay. through the world. Yeah. No, I think that I think that all tracks to me. The idea that like it was something similar in that like the king of his town was like assassinated by mercenaries and he fled. You know what? The the Christmas references that pertain to our reality are actually foreshadowing of his planeswalky ability that starts to bleed in when he cross classes into Ranger. Um it's like a vision of another world facilitated by the very beginnings of that. He just heard whispers okay. of Christmas. Yeah, no, that's 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 beautiful. Whispers of Chris. Whispers of Christmas is the name of my Christmas like jazz standard album. Um, <laughs> it's just me doing all the Frank Sinatra <laughs> Christmas, the Rat Pack, but I'm like, yeah, doing it like really ASMR style the whole time. Um, okay, but baby, uh, very it's good, very cold good. Outside. Ooh. I thought you said Ooh, butt baby. Too threatening. And I was like, what's a butt baby? <laughs> wah wah. Um. Okay, uh, and for Jody to round out the, the trio, Jackson, do you have thoughts about what happened to Jody before Espera? Like before he came to Espera? And what, how old was he when he came to Espera? I, I think it's like uh, very much him just being like dropped off there. Um, so I think, yeah. he, he get, I think he gets there probably when he's like four, five years old and has no right. recollection of anything before then. Um, so definitely old enough to remember things, but with yeah. no recollection of what, what the, the time of before. So, so, so Jody doesn't know, and I don't want you to yeah. say it if you do. But do you have thoughts about what that means? Um, I don't. I don't think specifically. No, I think like when like when crafting this character, it was kind of like, what if someone experienced like a tragedy and then was with some really great, wonderful people and then experienced an even <laughs> more profoundly damaging tragedy. And then from that was like, just like obsessed with this idea of goodness and trying to create as much good as they could, um, in the world. Um, okay. So yeah, it was more, yeah, more broad strokes than specific, like what actually happened prior to Espera. A second, like, sub-question to this that came from, uh, uh well, a friend of, a friend of the show, uh, was... Is Tress confirmed dead? And I think, like, for me, I want to say, like, I don't want to take that away from your story. So I don't want to, like, lean in or out of that. All I would say is, like, there's nothing deliberately in there to give you a suggestion that she's not, right? But, like, like anything, the text supports multiple interpretations. Like, you could construct a canon, right, for me, if you wanted to be like, oh, she survived somehow, even yeah, though, Yeah, if you got a you big know, star on for season two, you could bring her back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If Saoirse Ronan wants to play uh, Tress <laughs> in like the TV show, like the the role's there and ready to go. <laughs> what a thrill that would be! <laughs> can we get Saoirse? Can we? Can we reach out to people? Grace, do you have any family connections? Probably distantly, almost certainly. Huge. All right, I only have two more questions in my quiver here. One of them is, uh, oh, no, three. Okay. Ye- no, two. Just two, just two, just two. Uh, they're both kind of dunks on me from the audience. Nice. Um, I will contend that one of them, one of them is not a dunk because I am going to answer it now. Uh, and the other one is uh, more to do with, well, something fun that we've all talked about <laughs> off mic. I kind of flagged this one specific question to you guys and I think we'll deliberately leave it for the last one. Um, the first one. How did Maleficus and Esme hear the secrets that you guys gave in the Temple of uh, Sky? And I have a couple of thoughts on this. So, like, the whole premise of that uh, point and, like, what was written above, 
like the the wall that you guys were trying to get through by speaking into that little microphone was like if you want to know the secrets of the Cine, which are contained within this temple, you have to give the Cine one of your secrets. And so, like, the idea to me was that the Temple of Sky served as kind of like a broadcasting station for information for, like, the other Cine and the other Cine installations and, like, Cine temples. And we, we kind of, like, know that is the truth because... Whilst inside the Temple of Sky, Valeria and Elva start talking to you guys, like, over your sending stones from inside the Temple of Sky, right? Like, they're in there, and you guys are down at, like, Espera fighting Charles Dance, and then you start getting messages from them, like, over your sending stones. So, like, in my, in my mind, like, Charles the Temple Dance. of Sky serves as, like, a kind of, like, like the, the purpose of it, like, from, from Luthor who created it, was, like, like, we're going to share this information throughout the web. Like, it was, like, broadcast on, like, the web waves, if you like, for me. That's how, that's how like, that was kind of implied to work, the information that was there. And, like, Esme, who's, like, attuned to the web, knows how it works, and working with um, Maleficus also, like, just picked up the signal, like, that was sort of broadcast through the web. That's, that's how that works in my mind. And, like, the implication would be that, like, that signal will have gone to, like, the other, like, Cine temples that were, like, connected to the web. Because we also know there were those, like, barber chairs that could be used to communicate between Cine temples. Um, so, yeah, that's this is a combination of those various Cine technologies was how that worked for me. Glad you cleared it up. <laughs> yeah. killing me for weeks. Okay, so the last one's quite fun, and this is... I, I mentioned earlier that I was re-listening to some of the stuff from the Hannelport arc. It's because I got this question in the email box from uh, Emma. Thank you, Emma, for this question uh, that sent me into a tailspin of trying to, like, you know, reconcile my life, um, which is, what is the deal with Duncan's troupe of actors? <laughs> <laughs> so... You'd be forgiven for forgetting about this, but basically, when you guys were in Hanelport, you were buying stuff, Tom was like, Duncan hires a troupe of actors to play Duncan. <laughs> Actually, I believe what happened was, you set up auditions, you hired a casting director to go to those auditions, and, like, cast, like, Duncan and the other people in this troupe, and then, like, just send them out into the world. And then when you guys, like, left Hanelport, you did it in such a way that you never went in to, like, check on how that had shaken out. So, like, there was no conclusion to that narrative thread. And in listening back to the episode where it occurs, I say on microphone in the recorded episode, <laughs> I'm going to have to find a way to fold that back into the story, or that would be pretty bad storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> and we just abandoned that thread dude, for 18 dude, additional months. Let's go back, add in an episode just before the finale where... We wander through this small town and they're putting on a production about our lives. <laughs> yeah, dude, the Ember Island it's Players episode exactly. of uh, <laughs> the Last Airbender that is this podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, that's how I see them existing in this world. Now, we did have a really fun hypothesis that the three, of, the four of us kicked around, like, for, for what was going to happen with those troop of actors, right? Um, I don't know, does somebody want to take it away? Like, what the fun hypothesis was? Well, it's... It's not us who you're following at the end. Yeah, the actors. That's right. We so that's the, that's the implication. Is that like at some point yeah. a yeah, switch, switch was made? Because I think <laughs> like, I think it's gotta be- I made the joke. I think to Ben that like when they come to like try to arrest me and then ask me to go north, I'm like, that's not Duncan. That's yeah. an actor. But then I think yeah. you extrapolated that's that to actor. like 
all of us swapped out before the finale, and so like all of yeah. the character arcs. No, just... I, I, I think I think it's post finale, but yes. like the reason why there's no Jody is that the actor couldn't get the accent. Obviously, it's like a regional <laughs> thing. Um, and so there's just like a fake Duncan and fake Druzzy rolling around. No, I, I just like the idea that, yeah, like, this, I mean, it, it makes the most sense for Duncan because, like, Druzzy has her own fucking autonomy. She's doing what she wants. And, like, Jody's in the void. I think it really tracks with Duncan that, like, Duncan swapped himself out with actor Duncan. So it's like actor Duncan that gets sent north into, like, conscription. And uh, the real Duncan, like, flees south somewhere on a boat. Maybe he tries to go see how far west west goes. <laughs> Um, you know um, <laughs> maybe he gets on a boat from Espera and just fucks yeah. off west you know we can't clarify that joke it'll be a spoiler for Grace yeah that's true uh, for when mm-hmm. Grace for when Game you inevitably joke. watch Game um, of Thrones yeah. Okay, so that, that brings us to the end of our questions around Mailbox. Thanks to everyone who sent in a question or sent one to me. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the finale. Thank you so much for listening to this. Um, I will just say, like, we are still kind of figuring out the nuts and bolts of what, like, book two or season two, if you like, of, of HW Lead looks like in terms of, like, format and when it'll be coming out and, like, what the story is. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we're kind of, like, just sort of still kind of kind of working out. Um, but we're getting we're getting somewhere. And I think, like, what you can expect to hear in the feed in the next little while is probably, like, a series of one-shot adventures that we're going to just kind of record, use as an opportunity to, like, try a couple of things out, um, you know, different kinds of, like, stories and arcs and things. Like, we're not going to do, like, like extended, like, trial arcs. Like, they are very much going to be one-shots, I think. Like, just kind of, like, fun, fun stuff for the feed. Also, like, fun playtest for, for us. And for the pandemic. Um, and for the pandemic. Fun playtest for the pandemic. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> No, of course we won't. We won't do that. Of course, we'll just we'll just do some fun little one shots, and um, yeah, we're gonna still be making it. So, like, this is a great time if you are a listener who is this way inclined to share the show, tell people about the show, because everything coming from this point, it's fucking fresh and new and crisp, baby. They don't need to know the fucking fifty whatever episodes of story that's already happened. It's gonna be like 69. brand new, 69. brand new independent one shots. <laughs> How close um, are we to so like, sixty nine? The uh, live and- show of Kieran was 69. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think so. That can't We're be ruining true. it with this so. one. The most recent episode, I think, before this was 69, I'm pretty sure. Um, the finale was chapter 62. And then H. But as in, like, actual episodes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, like, all the Tales of Duncani and stuff in there. Um, Okay, so, yeah, uh, expecting some one-shots. Great time to share the show. Great time to get in touch with us, social media, talk to, at, or about us. Share the show with a friend. Let them know in this feed, shortly, there's going to be a bunch of, like, fresh, fun D&D content coming that is, like, completely self-contained and doesn't need, like, any kind of prior knowledge whatsoever. So, yeah, great time. Stay in touch. Stay tuned. Stay safe. You and yours out there, as we will endeavour to do ourselves. And um, um, if you are a new listener and uh, you missed this round of questions, you can always find us on Twitter as well. Yes, that's true. You can find us on Twito at HWLade or on Instagram at Curio Network or Facebook at Curio Network. Um, yeah, fucking stay tuned, friends. Uh, and there'll be more content for you soon. You guys usually aren't here when I record this part, so this is fun. <laughs> um, does anyone have any... Are we making you sweat? Anything? Yeah. Does anyone have anything they'd like to add? Um, six seasons in a movie. Um, oh, hey. Live, live long and prosper. That's mine. Uh, okay. Hey, thank you, everybody. Uh, see you next time. Keep Bye. rolling. Ah. Those dice. <laughs> Roll them DJs. 
How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsom. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.